Welcome back, Change Cultivators listeners. I am here today with Patricia Vasquez. She is the uh, Insights and Strategy Vertical Lead for Education at Google. Um, you will remember John Ferraro, who I spoke to um, a few weeks, um, who's head of education at Google, and Patricia works very, very closely with him. Um, and we had such a great uh, conversation with John. We got so much good feedback from our listeners on the topic um, of the ever-increasing role that foundational learning is playing for individuals in their career, um, that we decided to chat to, to John and his team and get Patricia back on because we've had so many questions from our listeners and, and interest on this topic. And I think, Patricia, it's becoming such uh, so much more of an important conversation today, the role of education um, and, and the impact it's having on careers today. And we'll dive into why it's becoming more important. But welcome to the show and say hi to Thank our Thank you listeners. so much, Ross, for having me and the Change Cultivators uh, team. I'm very excited to just talk about this topic. It is so important, like you said, um, more important than ever, especially now that uh, remote learning uh, and short form learning is so predominant and taking taking off. Yeah, yeah. And we'll go into why this is so important. I think not at least, you know, the, the technology boom and the fact that our world is becoming very different to what it used to be in the past. So there's a, a number of key drivers that are, are making this conversation more important. And I think with the lens on ensuring that kids and higher education learners are actually being set up for success as they, they go out into the workforce. So we'll dive into that shortly. But before we do, um, I'd love our listeners to get a, a bit of a feel for you as a person. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your role at Google? What got you into the education sector? Um, and, you know, why is it so important to you as Patricia, as, as the individual? Absolutely. So I like to say that I am an accidental techie. Uh, in a way, because uh, my path has always been very, very focused on education. Um, I actually have spent time as a college instructor, um, and that time as a college instructor uh, really allowed me to see um, the potential areas of impact that the corporate world could have in the learning environment. Uh, once you're teaching, once you're with the class, you start seeing um, where those areas where technology can play a factor in enabling education. So that's when I switched over and started working with technology providers for courseware, uh, learning courseware, um, and also with cloud providers um, as in technology partnerships. And now, most recently, I'm leading the strategy and insights, um, essentially our research into student perceptions of education um, here with John's team at Google. Mm, I love it. So going back to the question we, um, I posed earlier, why do you think the role of education is becoming more critical than, than it was in the past? So, you know, I w it really is the corporate world has changed. The world in which we live in has changed significantly over the past few years. Um, but why do you think the role of education is playing so much more of a critical impact on the corporate sector today than it did in the past? If I look at like eight years ago, it was a case of, you know, go and get a good education um, and then go out and find a job. It didn't necessarily need to be the job um, that you, 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 your field of study was. It really was looking at the practical application of your knowledge into a role that you would go into. 
Um, how has this changed over the past few years and, and why do you think that is? Well, what we've seen in the corporate world is that the pace of innovation has really accelerated um, and that has underscored the need for um, faster training and reskilling and upskilling of, of the current workforce that you have, but also ramping up the um, recent graduates into this very fast moving, fast paced and, and learning environment. Um, we know that over 17 million Americans will need to transition into new jobs that require new skills by 2030. Um, and it's also estimated that the global workforce will need to reskill about 1.3 billion workers every five years. Now, those are really huge numbers. So at this point, when we're looking at education and the, the, the goal of education, which is um, supporting the, the lifelong learning and the workforce development, we are seeing a need for um, continuous learning. So it's not just about degree attainment anymore. It is about lifelong learning. And we've heard lifelong learning a lot. And when, when we talk about lifelong learning, we talk about from pre-K to gray. And that is something that is still very siloed. Um, we have the traditional learning that starts in pre-K, um, the school environment, how is that translating into higher education? There's often a, a gap there. Um, and that transition is very mm -hmm. difficult for students. Then you go from higher education into the workforce. There is a very marked and difficult transition there as well. But then you enter the workforce. Um, and learning essentially doesn't stop just because you graduated from with your degree. There is continuous learning that needs to be had and established and provided for employees in order mm -hmm. to be able to continuously be able to support the corporation schools as well as their personal development in their lifelong learning. So that is so something that is um, often difficult to do because of the limitations of the traditional education system. The model is essentially not built yeah. for lifelong learning and to support students from the beginning throughout their career and workforce um, journey. Mm -mm. And I think that's the, the, one of the keys here. If you think about it, you know, we talk about education. It's not just, you know, up to 18 or, you know, in your college years, it's career changes. It's doing a PhD at the age of 40, 50, whatever you decide. It's your MBA. It's really, it's, and I think this is the interesting thing is we get more digital as a society. You know, I, you know, I, I'm working with a, with a VR company in the education space, and we often talk about the fact that, you know, as we get more digital, employers will be able to see your lifelong learning journey through your digital footprint, ultimately, you know. So when you come for a job interview, your digital learning footprint will be part of the application process in a few years' time because, you know, as we get moved to Web 3.0 and all that sort of thing, the digital world and the physical world get a lot more more intertwined and you know i think that um yeah it's just such a critical conversation and and it is driven by technology right i mean all of this is driven by the the pace of the tech world that we're living in today um and patricia why do you think the topic of education is so important or career pre-career conditioning why do you think it is so important for leaders in organizations and leaders of teams today? Because, you know, you and I discussed earlier, um, you think about it as, okay, someone new comes into the company, 
you know, what am I dealing with? But it could also be someone you've had on your team for three or four years, you know, and why is this pre-career conditioning so important when you are managing a team? How does it show up? Because everybody has very different educational um, foundations and conditioning before they, they enter and work in, in a team. Of course. And if we look at uh, the very beginning, when students are graduating, they're leaving a program, um, more and more we're seeing that students are leaving their uh, their university degree programs with uh, without a clear path to entering the workforce. There are a lot of feelings of fragmentations that students are reporting as they enter the workforce. But that is not just uh, uh, focused on that particular uh, student at a recent grad at a very specific point in their journey, because like you said, we have uh, mid-career individuals that are transitioning into a new role, um, moving uh, either horizontally or up within an organization um, that also need to be uh, skilled, upskilled, reskilled into the needs of that particular mm. role that they're entering into. And the needs of those individuals will vary and will be different. So one of the things that we have been seeing in the uh, education industry that, is that there is just a lack of alignment between what the education providers are offering uh, and the skills needed to thrive in the workforce, not just for those early career individuals, but also the mid-career individuals that are looking for mm -hmm. certifications or um, boot camps, for example, that, that mm. are going to help them enter into those new roles, bigger roles, different roles outside of what they were used to. So what we are looking at here is that for those recent grads, students are needing to find additional training on their own um, outside of the degree programs that they had just completed. Um, these are the certificates or alternative credentials. Um, and also what we're seeing is that companies are having to invest significant amount of time and resources in training these recent graduates to enter the workforce because of that uh, uh, big gap that we were talking about between the education experience they received and what is expected once they enter the workforce. For those mid-career individuals, for example, we're, we're seeing is that they're also going out on their own to uh, find certificate programs, alternative credentials, um, but they're also increasingly doing this on their own, not necessarily uh, aligning with the goals of the organization. So there's absolutely an opportunity here to get alignment between what the organizations, as the leader, what your organization's goals are, um, and the additional reskilling, upskilling, certs, that uh, those employees that have been with you for 10, 15 years are going to need to thrive and support the goals of the organization and also feel invested in the organization because that is also a really big part of this. Um, your current employees are going to want to know that you are investing in their development and that it, a big part of that is in their learning journey. Um, and their education journey, not just at a given moment, but throughout their career. Mm. And I'm just reflecting on a number of the conversations I've had with team leaders, with CEOs, and there's, it's quite an interesting dichotomy because you've got conversations that go, the young people that are coming into the workforce, you know, 
they're very good at certain things, but not other things, you know, so they, we really need more of this that we're not getting. So, you know, they're not, they're getting trained, but not for what we need mm -hmm. them for. And then you've also got the other side of the conversation, which is, you know, you've had a, a CIO or CFO, you know, who's been in a role for 10 years and, you know, sort of reaching their mid sixties. And it's like, well, you know, are they out of touch now, you know, because it becomes an ageist thing. So really, and I want to just hone in on this for our listeners, is that education is for everybody here, because we're in a world where we constantly need to be educated, whether you're young, whether you're in the middle, whether you're old. I also think of like, you know, moms who take some time or dads who take some time off to raise kids for three or four years. You know, I've spoken to so many individuals who say, you know, I want to get back into the workforce, but I feel so out of touch. Like I don't, I feel like I've lost it, you know? So what what can companies be doing? So you're talking about, you mentioned, you know, short sort of courses for upskilling and that sort of thing. You know, is it a case of somebody needing to go back to university to retrain or is it faster and easier today? You know, what can companies be doing? So Google, for example, I think, and, and I, I'm sure you'll give some color now, but Google, for example, is in a good place because you offer programs and all that sort of thing. But what happens if you were like a, a bank, you know, and and you're going, okay, I realize this is a problem, but what can I do to upskill my teams? What, How could those companies set up learning and training that is relevant today for all age groups? So... That is a really interesting challenge. And I, in one that we're seeing more and more um, different types of companies tackle uh, because it's so important. Um, like you mentioned, big tech has been doing this for some time, uh, offering um, certificates and skills development, but even small and mid-sized companies are seeing the need to establish learning um, and development programs for their employees. So one of the things that is absolutely critical. Um, and I'm glad to be seeing this every time I have conversations with um, education leaders. Uh, one of the things that, that jumps out is education leaders willing to collaborate with uh, employers, with corporate leaders to land on what are those needs, those skills needed for workforce development. So it's not just big tech anymore. We're talking about um, just large, mid-sized, even smaller employers. What do my employees need to ensure success for them in the career progression to also ensure um, employee, size, employee satisfaction um, and support, like you said, uh, even non-traditional um, employees that are coming back from a gap um, once they're entering the workforce? Um, is, is there some sort of certificate? Is there some sort of short course that they're going to need to make sure that they're successful in this new role? Um, just based on this pace of innovation that we were just talking about, um, there are going to be areas that each and every employee are going to need to um, keep up with, yeah. essentially. So mm -hmm. um, one other thing that, that you mentioned is essentially this uh, um, uh, creating a more equitable uh, space and how learning can provide for that. We know, for example, one of the one of the big things that we see in education and in the workforce is one of the big stats is sixty percent of enrollments in higher education uh, are female. 
uh, 60-40, that's the split, 60-40 uh, female to male. And uh, when we look at how that is translating into workforce participation, we have seen all the headlines of how women are leaving the workforce in droves. Um, and mm. when we look at reasons, there are plenty of reasons, very complicated reasons, and there's no one size fits all um, answer to this, but access to reskilling and upskilling opportunities is one area that absolutely is imperative for any corporation, any leader to ensure that um, women have access to learning opportunities, mm. uh, to ensure that they're able to thrive. And in that way, they're supporting diversity and inclusion goals in their organizations, which are so key and so important. Mm -hmm. I um, ran the brand and comms for, for Tata Communications for five years, which was part of the Tata Group, uh, the Jaguar Land Rover, you'll know them, Tata Hotel Group. And they had a, well, they still have a program called Second Careers, which I absolutely loved. And, you know, as a woman was very involved with, and they looked at how to bring women back into the workforce after um, they'd had families. So it was a really flexible where you could choose to work in any of the Tata companies. You could choose your hours. You could choose if you need upskilling. And I really love it. So when you're talking about that, you know what I liked about it? it, it so for a, a woman who's had her family, it's not like, oh goodness, I've got to go spend thousands of dollars and I go come back. The company made it accessible. It made it open. It allowed people flexibility. And it's not just about women. I mean, we're talking about women, but today there's obviously blended families where the woman works and the father, you know, looks after the kids. So it's really the caregiver, the family member, whoever that is in the family, what are the opportunities? And, you know, is this a case, um, Patricia, of companies putting more money beside, behind short courses that are part of, you know, onboarding programs, for example. And I think also when you're thinking about upskilling, it's not a one-year course, right? It's potentially three or four short courses that take how long? I mean, tell us a little bit about the the programs you guys are looking at that you're finding are the most effective. That's question one. And then I've got another question is what is the skill sets that are coming out in your research that are lacking the most? So this is this is something that um, I spend so much time looking at just because it's so important. Um, uh, we actually conduct research on on student sentiment and what they're prioritizing um, uh, in terms of their career change at different moments in their career. If they're fully employed, if they're um, full full time students. Um, Time and time again, students say that flexibility is key. Um, time to completion is key. Uh, so when you're mm. talking about um, uh, people that are returning to the workforce, people with families, um, access to certificates, short courses, um, uh, short courses that are 12 weeks long, um, and then you can do them at your own pace, uh, before the kids wake up in the morning, after they go to sleep, that is absolutely essential, that flexibility in order to be able to be successful with those courses as well. Um, the other thing there is that ensuring that once you have access to these courses, it is imperative for leaders to be able to track the outcomes. So it's not just that students are going and doing this uh, on their own. If as a leader, if, as an organization, you're providing these courses, 
there's such a need to track the outcomes uh, because at that point you can essentially assess um, uh, the impact that that is having on the individual, uh, on the performance, uh, on the outcomes and business objectives of the company. Essentially, there is such an opportunity here for including um, this development opportunities and these learning opportunities as part of the OKRs of the company, um, not just having it as a goal for completion, but measuring the impact and ensuring that mm. that is con continuously part of the development of each employee. Mm. And I'm just thinking from a team leadership perspective, you know, what, what a nice sort of practical tip as a, as a leader is actually encouraging uh, your team members to take the short courses. And then as a leader, you know, showcasing the skills that that individual has achieved with the team. For example, you know, we need you guys to get, um, the blockchain people out there will die hearing me say this, but let's just use it as an example. We need to get closer to blockchain because all, you know, Web3 business applications are going to be built on it now. So you guys don't know anything about blockchain. We're dealing, we're going more and more into a Web3 world, you know, getting two or three people to do the course, showcasing it to the rest of the team, giving them roles where they can start leading in their new learning and also showing the rest of the staff actually how easy it is if you apply, if you, you know, you put the time in, you put the research in, actually, this is not a, a two-year career change. This is incremental learning that's actually celebrated in companies to sort of, to drive the, the excitement around doing it. Because people probably think, oh, now I must go do some more learning. I'm so busy. I've got my family at home. I'm trying to hold down my job. But it's not as big a deal as it seems, right? It's actually quite bite-sized. Exactly. And the fact that these courses are designed to be uh, self-paced uh, and they're designed to be just consumed in a way that is uh, manageable chunks of information. Uh, it, it, it's something that is really flexible, provides a lot of flexibility and um, ownership in that education journey. It's not just sitting there for a lecture. You are taking ownership of your um, of your reskilling, upskilling development journey. Um, one thing I'll, I'll call out, though, is that it is also important to know how you're delivering that, that learning. The education experience itself as a learner um, shouldn't be a, a passive learner. So, for example, and you're, you're mentioning all these Web3 technologies, but um, these are also an incredibly uh, great um, mode of, to learn. Um, so, for example, if we're looking at... Um, how sales leaders uh, used to train their work uh, their workers. So uh, a sales executive came on board. Um, uh, how do you handle um, objection handling? There was usually a one sheeter. There was a slide with bullet points. Uh, this is how you would do a bit objection handling for this topic. But let's look at that in the, in terms of potentially leveraging AI chatbots. Could a mm -hmm. chatbot have the conversation as a client and you could have yeah. a more interactive, engaging um, mode of learning how to handle objection handle, uh, handling? Yeah. Now, take it one step further. If we look at uh, now uh, the metaverse, like the options that we have with learning there. So yeah. um, is there a possibility to um, have a uh, simulated 
conversation with a client mm -hmm. to make sure that that sales, uh, newer sales representative, sales executive is able to have that conversation and is immersed in it. So it's not just passively yeah. reading or, or, or um, a slide or a one sheeter. This person is actually having this conversation yeah. and is able to take ownership of that experience. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, again, a lot of our listeners will be going, well, the metaverse seems so far away, but it's not, right? I mean, 1995, the internet launched and we all said, what's this internet thing? You know, is it going to take off? And, you know, really, uh, Web3, the metaverse is the 3D version of the internet. It is coming. It's here, you know, quite significantly in manufacturing, engineering, but it's coming into healthcare, it's coming into art, it's coming into every sector. And if I think about learning as well, some of the work we've done with, with Kabuni is have a look at the retention, speed and engagement of learning. So the VR metaverse learning, you you retain significantly more of what you learn when you're immersed in the environment. So you can do a 15, 20 minute learning session um, versus let's say two weeks in a classroom and you can almost retain you know, a similar amount of data because you're experiencing it versus listening to it. So, you know, I love that. And we're going to see it more and more um, coming into the workforce. And it's it's definitely not just for gaming, you know, our listeners, it's, it's, it's coming more and more and it's going to be such a, a big part of our future. So Patricia McKinsey's done a lot of work on, on how leaders of change should embrace nine imperatives that they've um, earmarked as, as key um, they collectively explain, you know, who we are as a company, how we operate and how we grow. And there's two of the imperatives that I that I want to pull out and, and chat to you, um, you know, that their earmark is critical for success in a post-pandemic organization because obviously the world is different because of technology, but it's also very different because of the pandemic we are going through. Um so I'd love to chat about the two um, that really link to to education and learning and what we're talking about. And, you know, these are the ones McKinsey has, has, has uh, put in, in their nine, which is treat talent as scarcer than capital. You know, it's a critical success factor for companies today. And the second one is um, accelerate learning as an organization. So we've touched on all of this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts because out of nine, those are the two McKinsey is saying are going to set apart successful and not successful companies. Right. So it, it's very interesting because when you look at that first one you mentioned, treat talent as a scare, uh, scarcer than capital. Um, we know that students are increasingly looking at um, the ROI of their investment, the value of their education investment. But that is also translating into how employees are uh, being more discerning about the um, roles that they explore, the roles that they accept, the roles that they're excited to, to take on. So because they're more discerning, uh, both students and employees, uh, it's so imperative that leaders lead with um, a clear mission statement. What is the culture uh, of the company? Make sure that that is, that is captured and ensure that the value proposition of the company, of the role and of the career progression that that employee is going to have with you, uh, that is very clear uh, and very crisp because it is not something that is going to go away. Um, as we think about this, the great reassessment, the great realignment that we just went through, 
employees are prioritizing companies that align with their values, that prioritize employee well-being, and also prioritize, when we're talking about education, employee development. And when, we, when it comes to that last one, employee development, education, training, and mobility, career mobility, is something that leaders absolutely need to focus on. Now, mm-hmm. if we go to that second one that you mentioned, um, accelerate learning as an organization, um, what comes to mind is that, that phrase, uh, fail fast, learn, repeat. Um, and that is essentially an imperative uh, for any organization. And what's important here is to ensure that, as I mentioned earlier, you're tracking the impact of employee learning programs. Because I, what I see a lot is um, employers setting up these uh, learning programs um, in a vacuum without employee uh, input, without employee feedback. Um, and they only track completion, but not impact to the outcomes that that employee is going to have. Um, mm. Also essential to that is providing personalized and engaging training, like we were just talking about, ensuring that the employee is an active pers- participant in the, in the training and in that learning experience, and not just a passive listener uh, and consumer mm. of that, of that uh, content. Mm. And it's also not one size fits all, right? Because every person is different. So that's that's another thing I'm interested in is, you know, so the message out there is um, the traditional education system from whichever country you're in, five to 18, and then, you know, sort of 18 into your 20s pre-career is set up. And it's not something that's going to change overnight because, you know, it's designed over hundreds and hundreds of years. And, you know, your six-year-old learning has to follow a path for the eight-year-old learning to fall in place. And so it's there's a lot of science behind it. But we are in a world now where you can supplement learning. So we can bring in things like Web.3 or AI learning um, into the traditional education system, higher education. I mean, I was chatting to Professor Gurgraus about the exciting opportunity where you don't actually have to just go to Stanford or Harvard. You know, we're going to be living in a world in a few years' time, and actually it's already starting to happen, where you can pick your course and you could do some of it from Harvard, some of it from Stanford, some of it from Oxford. The universities are starting to um, collaborate more, and we're going to see more of that as we go into the future. Um, <clears throat> and so I think if I come back to the question is that there is a lot of supplementary learning and education, no matter what age you are at. Um, but what is what is happening in terms of the individual? Because I can go get a supplementary learning course, but I'm learning different to, differently to you. What are you seeing in terms of like, can I go, whether it's through a company or buy a course to go learn, but is there a degree of sort of 20, 30% flexibility that molds to the individual? Are we seeing that yet or, or are we not quite there yet? I think we're absolutely starting to see a rise in um, companies uh, exploring and building for that because especially now in such a digital world um, with the pandemic, all learning went online. And mm. I will call out um, for all this time we've been talking uh, about higher education being so static, uh, adverse to change, but they were able to, within a week, put all their courses online. Granted, yeah. the courses were designed to be delivered online. There were a lot of 
um, learnings uh, that happened there. But it did show that there is a possibility to deliver mm -hmm. learning online in a way that makes sense for the student. And what we saw last year, we saw um, throughout 2020 and 2021, increased investment, VC investment in ed tech, because there is such a need and such an opportunity uh, yeah. to, to deliver these very personalized learnings. So now the question is, what is that going to look like in terms of integrating with the traditional pathways like yeah. higher education um, and these new learning providers that take on personalized, personalized learning technologies uh, um, and integrate that into their learning journeys? So I think there's a lot still to be defined there, but I am very hopeful, especially uh, in the last year and a half in what we're seeing in the market and what... Um, the newer providers are, are coming up with. So you're seeing from the, the higher education institutions, hunger, need for pace. They want the innovation. They're like, we know this has got to happen. Let's work with the business sector. Let's work with the corporate sector. Let's make this happen, right? Absolutely. There is such an a, a eagerness that I see from, from higher education lead, leaders to start those conversations and to ensure that um, when they are auditing uh, degree programs, when they are redesigning or coming up with new programs, that they are taking into consideration the market needs, the essentially the outcomes. Because at the end of the day, students are becoming, like I said, more discerning uh, and uh, re requiring that the that they receive value out of their education. And for students, um, what we're seeing is that the they tie value to career progression. So it is up to higher education leaders to ensure that they are providing that value. And one way that they're um, hungry to, uh, to explore is those partnerships with, um, with the corporate world, with uh, employers to ensure that students are ready and they are able to essentially build a pipeline of uh, future employees, future workers to uh, continue the, the entire process going. And are you seeing the same hunger and willingness from the corporate sector to spend time with the education sector? One of the things that I've always seen in the corporate world is um, understanding where they excel and where they don't. So I see a lot of corporations and a lot of leaders understand that they are very good at creating a particular product, a particular service, um, but leaving the uh, delivery of the learning experience and development to uh, those who are experts in, in education. So there is absolutely a, a need and a hunger for, for partnerships with education providers. Now, the challenge here is that typically uh, just how it's set up, um, higher education is uh, built on credit hours that are very defined um, and the parameters of what a degree constitutes uh, are often can take years to change. Mm -hmm. um, so th the challenge there, and it will be very interesting to watch how that plays out, is how do you integrate the, the pace at which industry changes, uh, leaders and corporations change, um, and uh, can higher education keep up with that pace and integrate itself to mm. that, that mm. to essentially be able to map 
that pace into the way that they reassess uh, their, mm. their programs. Mm-mm. So it's not a case of saying throw out the old and bring in the new. It's keep the foundational stuff that we know works, but how do we allow potentially, and I, I'm no expert here, but how do we allow, you know, a 20, 30% of flexibility on the programs to allow as the work the, the, the workforce is saying, I need more of this. I'm not seeing that. How can you turn the 30% up and down to allow? And it was interesting because when I chatted to John um, and to our, our listeners, John's the head of education at Google and um, deals a lot with the corporate partnerships between educa- educations and corporates. And he said, pre-pandemic, he was talking a lot to CMOs about education on the corporate side of the clients. And post-pandemic, he said the topic of education is now with the CEOs, the boards, the advisory members. So the topic of education has become so much more critical as an agenda topic for companies, um, which is so exciting. And I just wanted to go back, what are the skills that the workforce, so when you talk to CEOs, you guys do your research, what are the skills that the CEOs are saying, I'm not seeing enough of this, this is where the gap is? So there, there are a number uh, of skills, and it really varies varies by um, by role. Uh, are we looking at technical roles, um, the STEM related roles that um, you're able to potentially get a certificate from a boot camp, attend a boot camp, and get uh, trained and be able to enter as a junior software developer uh, based on that, um, rather than just learning the the background and the theory on the, a particular uh, language. So th- there are there are certain areas that are lower low hanging fruit, if you want to call it that way, just in terms of where they can find um, easier entry points of the the skills. We can have our employees take this boot camp. We can have our employees tr- take this certificate in uh, UX design or project management. However, there is something to be said about the the other skills, the soft skills and the success skills, uh, mm-hmm. as we call it, that higher education is so good at um, delivering. So um, while we have these certificate programs and short course programs that deliver on workforce related skills, there's something to be said about continued partnership with higher education that uh, is so good at teaching critical thinking, for yeah. example, and communication skills that are absolutely needed and essential to thrive in the workforce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about technology and you hear so many parents or individuals say, you know, I'm not interested in more technology because, you know, already my kid or whoever it is is losing their social skills because they're spending too much time on technology. So this is a an interesting intersection because, you know, it's like the splitting of the atom. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. But it's like at the end of the day, um, how how do we harness what's in front of us technology-wise to, to really bring a good output, which doesn't isolate individuals because of technology, but actually continues to enhance and grow the side that's so important, which is the interpersonal skills, you know, and emotion. And, you know, we also talk to a lot of leaders on change cultivators. And one of the things the recruiters and CEOs are saying is we really need leaders with empathy. And it's really hard to see whether someone has empathy on a CV today, you know, and it's it's a skill that particularly through the pandemic 
um, we've really needed to see good and strong leaders possessing. And, you know, so it's not just the, the, the knowledge and the topics, right? It's what's, what's around it as well. So Patricia, on that note, I will say that there is this uh, essential need in all of this that we've been discussing about employee reskilling and learning and development, but there is an imperative here, and that is for leaders themselves to be learners. Mm. So this idea of the leader as a learner, um, to be able to uh, fail fast, uh, learn and move forward, uh, but also to be able to understand what is happening with the market, what is happening with their customers, and what is happening with their employees, mm. specifically when it comes to their learning journeys and their mobility within the organization. So uh, it's essentially leading by, by example. Mm. So if we're, we want our workers, if we want our employees to be able to um, focus on successfully developing uh, new skills uh, to, to thrive in the workforce, as leaders, you also have to put in the work to, and essentially re rethink the way that you approach learning yourself and, and unlearn some things as well yeah. uh, in the process. Yeah. So we, the, the, the concept of relearning and education applies to all of us, employees, people changing careers, whether you're 20, whether you're 40, whether you're a leader, whether you're a CEO, so lead, lead by example, right? Show, show the team and, and actually um, get people to want to do it because they see the benefit of it through you as well as a leader which is exciting. So Patricia, we're talking about change and we're talking about change leadership. And really this is a big um, element of change leadership for leaders in the workforce, leaders, you know, running educational institutions. Um, do you have any, as we, as we wrap up, do you have any resources, so books, podcasts, TED Talks of individuals you find inspiring with regards to sort of constantly shifting your thinking and, and looking at change leadership, because we are in a world that is just constantly going through change. Um, I'd love you to share with our, our listeners if you've got any great resources you think they should be tapping into. Absolutely. So from, from the perspective of, of education, higher education, um, I'm a big fan of um, Gregory Fowler, president of uh, University of Maryland mm -hmm. Global, uh, his team is absolutely leading um, in ensuring that there are clear pathways for transfer students, uh, which supports equitable outcomes. Mm -hmm. if, uh, students are transferring from a community college into a degree program. What does that pathway look like? And ensuring that there's just equity across the board. Um, also big fan of uh, Paula Blanc, president at Southern New Hampshire University, um, has a great book, Students First, um, that just came out last year. Uh, fantastic read for anyone who wants to really understand what the challenges uh, are within higher education and opportunities to unlock learning for all. Um, so that is from, from the education side, from the, the uh, corporate world though, um, recently I've been following uh, Jessica Jensen, the CMO of Indeed, she has um, she delivered a great session uh, called the the She Session mm -hmm. about female empowerment in the workforce and what that looks like and what can be done to support uh, mobility for women in in the workforce. So she brings a really interesting perspective of just uh, inclusion and development as well. 
I love that. I look forward to, to reading that. Thank you very much. So, Patricia, it's been amazing having you on the show. We loved having John. We love your whole team at, at Google. Just such a great uh, group of people and also love what you guys are doing there um, at Google and in the, the industry as a whole. Um, and so really, you know, there you have it. We will continue this conversation with, with other guests. But, you know, just really having a look at the ever-increasing role that foundational learning is playing for individuals in their careers and when we say careers, it's not just starting your career, it's starting during, you know, 10 years as a CEO or, or changing a career path. And we're all lifelong learners and we, you know, it's not just a thing we, we make sure our kids have in place, right? So Patricia, fantastic to have you on the show with us and thank you for, for joining us today. Mm -hmm.